Hi. Hi, Sarit. How are you? Good. How are you, Neil? I'm very good. Thank you for uh, doing this, for taking the call. Oh, my pleasure. Are you stuck in traffic, actually? I, I am actually uh, moving pretty well right now, but uh, I'm not at the cross island yet. That's usually where uh, it gets pretty bad. Oh, okay. Because I wouldn't want, you know, to be involved in some sort of a hoax perpetrated on the listeners. Yeah, you're no. Supposed to be stuck in traffic. So if you're not stuck in, tra- I would feel, I I would feel guilty. I would say you should at least like run your car off the road or something. <laughs> cause traffic. I should just cause right. traffic. <laughs> exactly, or at least get pulled over, and then the cops will cause traffic. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I uh, my punk rock roots prevent me from doing anything truly inauthentic. So. Good. Uh, oh, good. I feel, I feel better about that. Yeah, we will definitely be stuck in traffic at some point during this. Uh, I, you know, I never thought that that would be, like, when I was like, oh, man, I sit in traffic all the time. I should do this podcast. I never realized, like, oh, people, like, have to schedule the interviews. So sometimes I'm not, I might not be in traffic. I might just be in my car. But, right. And now you're okay. thinking to yourself, no one else has called you on this. No one else has said, listen, you got to be – nobody else has cared that much about accuracy in media. A, yes, true. <laughs> B, uh, no, that's it, just the A. Just the A. <laughs> just the A, one. and that's all. So now are you recording this? Yeah, we're – yeah, I'm, uh, I'm like a uh, – a tap app, like a mm-hmm. phone tap, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we're just, uh, and then I'll edit some of the ums and ahs out, maybe, depending okay. on how bad the ums and ahs are. And how long does this extravaganza last, usually? Um, I don't know. My original intention was just to do the interviews as long as the drive was, so if mm-hmm. the drive was an hour and 15 minutes, then the episode was an hour and 15 minutes. Oh wow! But, uh, I'm not that interesting a person. I don't, and I'm a terrible interviewer. Uh, so it's been hard to do that. So like, basically, the the guest usually peters out at around 30 minutes. Okay, that's a commitment. Yeah. Yeah, well, I have a conversation with uh, someone you don't like would suck. Yeah. So yeah, I try to no. get, I try to get the people that are, uh, you know, predisposed to liking me a little bit. Yeah, I like you, but I mean, an hour and fifteen minutes is a lot of liking. No, yeah, I wouldn't expect you to endure me <laughs> for that long. Yeah, I wouldn't want anyone. I wouldn't right? do that in public. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make anyone have to do that. I think the longest I have so far is a forty-five minute. There's uh, Ron, Ron Richards, pretty interesting guy, and. Okay. Uh, who else, so have we, how else have you gotten? I want to know, like, what kind of company I'm in. Oh, uh, no one with credits like you, you know, like writing for, you know, iconic shows or anything. No, that's all right. I just, I was hoping better. Like, I don't want to be the best one. Like, I want to, <laughs> I want to be, like, you know, like, middle of the pack. Like, I want to be in better company. No, man, you're the best. You're the best there is. And that's you know usually the case. You're you're like uh, you're like a top notch kind of person. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I like to be. You know, I mean, I was hoping there'd be like 
I don't know, me and I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying now to think of somebody better, but I can't. You're right. I am <laughs> a top notch person. <laughs> uh, can you tell people how it started for you? Like how you ended up. All right. So you're a comedian and a and a television writer. Right. Uh, you didn't start doing stand up. Stand up came later, correct? Yeah, I only did I only did stand up just kind of like for fun during a lull in my TV writing career and screenwriting career. But um really I mean, do you want to know how I got into stand up or just sort of how the career sort of unfolded? I would like I would like you to just talk about how you got into TV in the first place. Okay. So, um really it was you know, just luck. Um, my, my writing partner and I went to university together and we were in a sketch group and that's how we met and we started writing together. And, um, then after we graduated, we're like, yeah, let's go, you know, write for TV. Let's move to New York. Um, because you see, we didn't do any research at all. And so we thought you could just move to New York and get into TV writing. And we were just so lazy and stupid, and we just didn't didn't even ask around. So we moved to New York, and we both got really, you know, um, entry-level day jobs. Um, I worked at a bunch of different publishing companies and ad agencies, and I would, like, quit after three weeks, you know, like a bunch of different ones. And she was working as a crossword puzzle editor at, um, like, a Dell crossword book. And um, we were doing that. You know, we were each doing our job, our various day jobs. And then um, she had met someone who had worked at a radio station who had done some research uh, into um, services that, that sold and produced and sold radio comedy sketches. And um, this was in the time of, like, the Z-Morning Zoo, you know, the, that was all those disc jockeys, and they all did voices and had little bits and fake commercials and stuff like that. So um, she, we found out about this one service that bought and produced the bits, and we're like, well, if we could write sketches for the stage, we could write sketches for radio. So uh, we... You know, we contacted them. We, 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 you know, kind of wrote some sketches, sent them in, and they were like, wow, you guys have to come and write with us. And they were in Connecticut. So we started doing that. We sold them some sketches, and then our stuff started playing on radio stations around the country, in, including um, Z100 in New York. And we became friendly at that point with the disc jockey there, the morning jock, Ross Britton, who was really in charge of all of their comedy and he put us in touch with another radio comedy service and we started selling to them so at that point we were set, we were making more money selling sketches than we were at our day job so we quit our day job and you know we would just like write as many bits as we needed each week to pay our rent and then we would go to the movies the rest of the time so it was really a good <laughs> good bit. and um, we lived in like a, you know, right on the edge of 
the worst neighborhoods, but we were like on the good side of the bad edge. And, you know, but we, it was great. I mean, it was totally great fun. And then, uh, ABC Radio Network actually went to Ross to, uh, recommend somebody to produce, um, comedy services that they wanted to start. Um, and so Ross recommended us and we ended up, uh, you know, sort of re-envisioning these comedy services for ABC and writing and producing them. And uh, once we were doing that, we got into the Writers Guild. So now we were, we had real jobs writing comedy. And we were in the Writers Guild and, you know, we we were doing radio and it was it was amazing. I mean, it was really, we did not appreciate how awesome it was. It was really easy. We worked very few hours. We worked with really nice people, and um, we made really good money. And then we thought to ourselves, well, let's, you know, it was all pretty easy. Within like a, within six months of moving to New York, we were professionally writing comedy and had quit our day job. And then Does that even exist anymore, though, that, those services? They may. Yeah, they may. They may be slightly different, though. Like the first one we developed for them was like a prep service. So um, we developed a service where the disc jockeys, we would write jokes. We would kind of curate all of the stories that disc jockeys would want to talk about, not the news guys, but the jocks. And then we would write them up really in briefly, like in brief, one paragraph or something, and then three or four jokes on each one. And so the jocks all sounded like they were hilarious, you know, at five in the morning, six in the morning. But really, we were hilarious at like three, <laughs> four in the morning. So, um, but, but, you know, and then we did, so we, then we hired somebody to do that service and we started another produced comedy service. Probably at least the prep service still exists. I don't know about the other ones. Then we developed a third service, which was just song charities. I'm, I'm not sure if those still have a market. But at any rate, while we were doing that, and then we got into the guild, the um, there they there was like serendipitously an uh, an event that the Writers Guild was sponsoring. How to break into television? Wouldn't you know? So we were like, yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to break into television. How do you do that? So we went. We went to this event, and they had um, some sitcom writers on the panel, and they said you have to write a spec script. This is I'm talking about. We are we were so lazy, and we just fell into shit. And you know, so we didn't even know this. It just so happened they had an event. We went to it, and we found out you have to write a spec script. And so. We're like, oh, okay, well, let's do that. So we we wrote one, and then we're like, okay, now what do we do with it? And so we said, let's send it to one of those guys who was on the panel, the one we liked the best. The, the one that we liked the best on that panel, he was a terrific guy. He was really a good writer. His name was David Mish. And we just looked him up in the phone book, you know, um, <laughs> and we sent, we sent him our script with a self-addressed stamped envelope. This was like, you know, this is the olden days. So we sent it to him. We didn't have an email or anything. We sent it to him with a self-addressed stamped envelope, and we asked him to read it and give us notes. 
And he did. He sent it back with, with these amazing notes, and he really liked it, but he gave us quite thorough notes, and they the notes were so good. And that, but this, there's no way. This, never, this would never happen today, correct? Maybe if you sent a script to Dave Mish, it would happen. But <laughs> definitely not to, you know, uh, an agent, for sure not. And I think actually probably even Dave wouldn't do it anymore because at this point there are so many, you know, ways that people send scripts to you. I'm sure nobody else had the the total cojones to send them, you know, to send people scripts out of nowhere. We were, it's not that we were so bold. We were just so ignorant and naive. And we're like, whoa, what the hell, you know? And our thinking at the time was, uh, if he doesn't want to do it, he won't do it. You know, he's not really out anything. He could throw it in the garbage. You know, we didn't have a plan B, though. Like, we didn't know. Like, what would we do with this spec script if Dave Mish didn't give us notes? Like, we didn't, we just, we didn't know. We, I guess we would have crossed that bridge, you know? So we were, um, he did, he sent us terrific notes, very complete, very thorough, and he liked the script, and he gave us all these ways to improve it. But we realized, after reading all the notes, that there, we would have to do a total page one rewrite, so let's just, write a whole new script. So we wrote a completely different script, and we sent it to him. We sent the second one to him with, like, a cover letter, like, you were so nice, and no good deed goes unpunished. So now we're because you were nice enough to do it once, we're sending you another script. And you know what? He said, this is really good. I think you should get it to an agent. And here's who I know, and you should talk to this guy, and you should talk to this guy. That for sure wouldn't happen. But again, um, it was it was really really kind, really nice, um, and he he was great. So um, so yeah, so we we tried to you know send it to um, to you know to people and kind of get it read and what have you. Uh, at the same time, we were still working at ABC, and in addition to writing radio sketches, we were also buying from freelancers, uh, r- buying their sketches. So one of our freelancers was uh, was a writing team, and they had an agent um, at William Morris. So we, you know, and they they put us in touch. So we sent our spec. At this point, we sent our our spec to them and we were able to even get kind of like even the time of day because of the fact that we already were working as comedy writers and they wanted and we made as I said before we were making really good money and so they of course wanted a piece of that so they so they they kind of talked to us um, but even even so, even after having a meeting there, um, we could not get read. Like every single day, we would call the agent, we would call his assistant, and sh- and sh- she was amazing. She was really really nice. Her name was Allison. Allison now is a development executive in her own right, 
a very successful development executive. At the uh, time, she was an assistant. So anybody who's trying to break in to uh, television or films or whatever, always be nice to the assistant because they're going to be executives. Um, not, not just because it's like the decent human thing to do. Oh, no. Why? What? What? <laughs> Only be nice to people because they might eventually be able to do something. Might be able to help you. Okay. Hello. Yes. All right. Of course you can be right. nice to them anyway, just because you're a decent person. But I know you, Neil. So I immediately discounted that. And I so no, just whatever. For whatever reason you should be nice to them, but in addition to the fact that that would be the humanly decent thing to do, uh, the, the, the additional side benefit is that they can help you. But later, maybe, maybe they can, maybe they can't. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But at any rate, um, that is a, you know, that's just something to keep in mind in case you're not a decent human being. If you need an ulterior motive, that would be it. <laughs> but Allison had read our script, and she said, I, every day I read it, and I put it on, I, every day I take it out, and I put it on the top of his pile. And he takes it home, and he doesn't read it. And so, and because my partner and I, there were two of us, we would, like, take turns. So we felt we would be only half as annoying, because I would call every other day, and she would call every other day. So we were, like, only half as annoying. But, you know, eventually... Eventually, through a lot of machinations of getting a different agent at the agency to read it, and eventually he read it, and eventually they sent us to L.A. Well, they didn't send us. I mean, we paid our way, but they set up some meetings for us in L.A., uh, not not taking us on as clients, but doing what they call hip-pocketing us, which is yep. you know, asking people that they know, executives, studio executives, network executives, um, fellow agents in the L.A. office to, to read our stuff, meet with us, and kind of give them some feedback. Anyway, while we were out there, we actually got a job offer. Like We weren't even agented truly at this point, but we got a job offer on the new Mickey Mouse Club. Now, this was when Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were on the new Mickey Mouse Club. And I could have known that, but I I don't, because we didn't take the job, which is insane. It's insane that we turned down a TV job. Like, that's how dumb we were. We did not know how hard it is to get a job, because, like, we went out there and we got a job. So we're like, oh, well, if we could get this job, we can get another job. So, you know, whatever. We didn't even really understand the how difficult it is but we got this job offer and the the show was um being produced in orlando and we're like oh my god who wants to go to orlando so we turned it down again i could have known justin timberlake could have been me mrs <laughs> justin timberlake but but no but no so we um we're like no we turned it down and our agents they didn't even strong arm us but they did agree to send us out send us again at our own expense to LA during staffing season and that's when we got uh, our first job on full house 
So we got, um, that's it. That's how we got into television. Just stupidity and dumb luck. That, and that's I what I that, recommend. Uh, that's what I recommend to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was like that, man. I wish, uh, yeah, that's unbelievable. Well, at least you're stupid, so you're halfway there. Yeah. No, I'm nailing that part. <laughs> no, that is not at all true, but it just seemed to be laying out there waiting to be said. So I said. I, I want to say it's inspiring, but it's not. It's, it's, uh, it, it bums me out a little bit. It could, yeah. It, that's why I say to all, you know, like all my students, it's really, really hard. So if there's anything else that you can do that will make you happy, do that. Because it's just, it's really hard, and it's not a meritocracy, and it doesn't matter how good you are. It just, it's a luckitocracy. That's what I say. It's a luckitocracy. It's just, it helps that you were good, though. I mean, because you could have gotten that. Like you could have fallen into the lap of of whoever and and got the first job, but if you're not, if, if you didn't produce on that show, that you wouldn't have got shows after that. I would I would hope. I guess, but it really is a lot of like who you made friends with. It really is because there are a lot of people working in television who are not that good, but for whatever reason, they're friends who have shows, like to keep them around. But there are a lot more people who are very good who are not working because there just aren't that many jobs. So you could be really, really good and not get work. Um, and I, I I can't think that it hurts if you're good. I mean, you, you, if you're good, you you know, it certainly should help. It should help. But it doesn't guarantee anything. You could be great and never catch a break. Um, but do you, do you think that it's easier or harder with all the different ways content's being produced now to find work? Well, so I think it's theoretically easier, right? Because there's theoretically more content being produced. But the, a, a lot of it is semi-scripted, unscripted. You know, reality. DocuSoaps, all this other kind of thing. Um, and also, all the staffs are small. Every, everybody's being squeezed. And then a lot of the content, I think everybody wants it to be free and doesn't want to pay you to do it. Like, I guarantee you, everybody wants you, I mean, everybody wants you to produce some sort of, you know, web series, do this, do that. We had a, um, I with some other partners, um, were in talks with Nickelodeon to produce programming for moms. So after the kids go to bed, your TV's still on Nickelodeon, you go and turn it on, and there's something that you might want to watch. And that was the thinking, and it makes a lot of sense. And we we sold them a concept, and they they loved it, and then they wanted to pay us like 14 cents. And, you know, it was just like we couldn't possibly do it. And and Nickelodeon is, is like what? It's like a Viacom network. I mean, it's one of the mammoth networks, and they want to pay 14 cents. So it gets to be, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's not easy. 
it's not easy any way you slice it. There are going to be a few, you know, a handful of lucky people that uh, make it, that, that find a way to make a living in the industry. And then there are a lot more who, you know, who, who don't, who just don't. And it doesn't mean they're not good either. So that's why I always say, and, and you know this from class, because I always say you have to have no plan B. Like, you really can't think of anything else that would make you happy. Because uh, if you can think of something else, do it. You have to be able to take rejection over and over and over again and think, like, well, all right, because I have to keep trying because I don't have a choice. Because I don't have any – there's nothing else I can do. You know, so it's it's – I'm not trying to depress everyone. Now, when I said when you, I, when I said maybe you should run your car off the road, I, I wasn't I wasn't saying you know in, in for in for any self destructive reason. I, I just meant for the traffic. But uh, in, I am on a bridge now. I could just you know. <laughs> no, that would be bad. Then imagine the guilt that I would suffer for the rest <laughs> of my life. I mean, so don't do that. Just out, just out of you know kindness toward me. So, um, so then, yeah. So that's how we got in, and you know, we worked on. Uh, so our first job, as as I said, was Full House, and that has turned out to be, you know, at the time we were like, oh my gosh, you know, like whatever, you know, like who watches this? You know, who would want to? You know, it's like an embarrassing thing. No, it's an awesome thing. It's a. It we just showed how dumb we were. It's like an amazing show that's still on, and I still get checks, small ones, but still. And it's been a tremendous, tremendous um, blessing to have worked on that show. And um, it was a great learning experience. I worked with some great people. I worked with some real jerks. And it was it was um, really, really fabulous. And from then on, we worked, you know, steadily. We worked uh, pretty much all the time. Did you always know you wanted to eventually teach, or was that something that just, like, uh, born out of boredom, you know, uh, not being on a, not being busy at the moment? Yeah, so what happened was, no, I never, I never thought to myself, oh, I really want to teach. But I do enjoy it. I really do. Um, what I, what happened was, so when I first went out to L.A., I was already married, and my husband's business is on the East Coast. He's in the real estate business, and so the business is literally in the ground and cannot move. So we were bi-coastal. So I'm working in L.A., he's in here, and we're flying back and forth every weekend. And that was really fun and we did that for a long time um, and it was excellent because sitcom hours are very very long like you can work till 2, 3 in the morning and I wouldn't feel bad like I wouldn't feel like oh I'm leaving you know there's somebody waiting for me at home and so I could work late and he would work late and then on the weekends we were just like together you know 48 straight hours so it was like dating it was great it was excellent and this was also uh, in the early days before 9-11. So flying was not 
the nightmare than it, the dehumanizing nightmare that it is now. <laughs> like you didn't, you, you know, you didn't have to like strip naked and get a colonoscopy every time you got on a plane. You just, you know, get on a, you just like walk through the metal detector. Like you didn't have to get through an hours in advance. You just, you got there and, you know, like I, I would get there like 25 minutes before the plane set to leave, run on the plane and out. Hi, that's it. Uh, so it was really, it was great, it was easy, it was fun. Um, when we decided to have kids, then it was like, oh, you know, obviously can't be by coastal anymore, but I was very lucky, and I got on a couple of New York-based shows. So I was working in New York, and that was fantastic. After 9-11 happened, though, then production in New York really dried up. And there were just hardly any shows being produced in New York. So um, at that point, I was at home with my kids for a few years. And then reality TV came into vogue. And so then there were even fewer jobs um, available in, uh, in, in, in narrative, in, in, in sitcom in general. And so... Um, yeah, so I was just kind of um, a little bit at loose ends. That's when I started doing stand-up and teaching. You know, just uh, just to kind of keep my comedy chops, you know, and just keep myself sharp and also because, you know, kids can really numb your brain. So, yeah, so I was in all, you know, so then I was like, oh, okay. And I heard, again, I'm the laziest, the laziest person. Somebody that I knew, knew of the pit. And so I um, was, so I'm like, oh, okay. And they said, yeah, they have these classes. And I don't think they have a sitcom writing class. So that was it. I called up and I, I spoke with Ali and he's like, yeah, you want to do this? I mean, that's, that's how that happened. And then also um, I was doing, you know, and then I, and then I, started doing some, some indie stuff, and I'd always been kind of script doctoring and, you know, helping other writers and coaching and things like that. So um, I guess when I started, I decided at some point to produce some of my own indie stuff, and I met another guy who was had a connection at Columbia University graduate film program, so I, then I started helping him with his class that he was doing. So we just kind of, um, it was just one of those, you know, just kind of one of those things. I think I met him through stand-up. I can't, can't quite remember how I met Lou. But anyway, so we were, um, yeah, so, so that's how I got into teaching. And the stand-up, as I said, I've always really, you know, I started as a performer years and years earlier in, in school in that sketch group but I really enjoyed writing more and especially if you want to do stand-up you really have to come alive on stage like all the good stand-ups really are just like they live to be on stage and for me it's like yeah I could be on stage or I could be at home on my couch I'm good <laughs> like uh. I don't, you know, I don't need that. I don't need that. 
that that mass love and you know I'm like no I'm good enough I'm fine I'm here on my on my sofa I'm in my underwear I'm watching HGTV I'm good so um, you know I just did it because I thought oh you know I'll meet I'll meet other comics and maybe we'll you know who knows what'll happen and I did I I I met other comics and and uh, written pilots for them and you know and 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 cast them in some of my my films and um it's been great i mean it's really fun i mean this it's how can it not be fun hanging out with funny people and cracking jokes yeah that's it is fun i mean it's just and that's the thing like if you can get a job as a tv writer and particularly if you're on a a show with a really good writing staff that is to say nice people um it is awesome. It is really awesome because you are literally hanging out for hours, cracking jokes with really funny, smart people. You, and you get paid for that. It's amazing. Um, however, if the other people on your staff are not that nice, then it's really awful because then you are locked in a room till 2, 3 in the morning with a bunch of assholes. And that is not good. But and just, has it been fifty-fifty of those experiences, or mostly the 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 first half, the first part? And for me, most of my experiences have been actually uh, pretty good. You know, really pretty good. I mean, there's always like you know a resident, your resident asshole, and I'm sure for some people on on the writing staff that I've been on. I'm that I'm that resident <laughs> asshole. <laughs> but like from my point of view, they're the resident asshole. But I would say that considering some of the some of the stories that I've heard from other friends who were T V writers, um, I would say that we had it pretty good. Plus we had each other. My my writing partner and I, uh, we worked together on most of the shows that I've worked on. And it's always good to have have a partner who's exactly in the same position that you're in. You work on the same script. You're you're you know you're hearing it the same way. You're feeling it the same way. Um, so we've had. I, I would say that mostly I worked with really very good. Um, you know, I had really good work situations. Some I've had really amazing work situations. And some have been just all, you know, really quite good. And, you know, and some not so good. But it's a tough business and it's full of a lot of, a lot of you know, cranky characters. I mean, you know, these, a lot of the other writers are kind of class clowns, you know, that when they were in high school, they were the class clowns so that the jock wouldn't beat them up. And right. so they kind of have that chip on their shoulders still. Um, you know, so, but, but, you know, many of them extremely nice, though. You know, many of them have that, you know, are that class clown because they're just the really nice, nice guys. But some of them, you know, just kind of never get over that. No, you know, and, uh, but in, as a general matter, I would say, just like in every field, 
in any office you walk into, there are nice people and there are not nice people, and that's the way it goes. And you you got to put on your big boy pants, suck it up, and, and just go to work. But it's, as work goes, I mean, it's not like you're breaking rocks, you know. You're not building a road or anything. You, speaking of which, how's the traffic? I, uh, it's It wasn't so bad, and uh, I'm looking for parking now. Oh, my God, we're almost done. Yeah, we're well. You can go whenever you'd like. At this point, we're yeah, we're just we're home stretch. Oh, cool. Um, so all right. Well, what else? What else do you want to ask about? You know, maybe we should do this again and get a part two where I could tell you all the good stories about like Full House, folks. And- yeah, I would uh, love. I would love a part two. Well, we also <laughs> have to talk about. I think what we decided was the most important topic, and we haven't even. Glant, you know, we haven't even grazed that, and that was how, how cute I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we're uh, we're here, man. Thank you so much, Sarit. All right, Neil, I'm still waiting for to read your script. Oh uh, yeah, I gotta send you something. I totally abandoned and uh, rewrote it completely. So. All right. Good night. All right. Take it easy. Bye.